Hi, everyone. You're listening to a special episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Accountants Podcast. This episode was originally recorded for the Michael Blank Podcast on financial freedom with real estate investing. Please make sure to check out Michael's podcast. It has some great information and he has some awesome guests on it. We'll put a link to his podcast in the show notes, but a little about Michael. He is a leading authority on apartment building investing, and he's passionate about working with investors, real estate, and understanding all the tax implications with that. He actually controls over $266 million in multifamily assets all over the US, and he coaches investors. He has assisted with over 13,700 units, valued at over 635 million, that he has assisted his team with acquiring through his through his mentoring program. So Michael has an incredible network, great guests, and our discussion is all about cost segregation and how it applies to real estate. So I wanted to share it with you here. This podcast is sponsored by Engineered Tax Services, a subsidiary of Engineered Advisory, whose goal is to support CPAs and their clients to achieve the highest and best use of time and resources. ETS offers specialty tax services, and incentives, which help expand your capabilities and ensure that your clients are paying only what is required in taxes and nothing more. To learn more about Engineered Tax Services, go to engineeredtaxservices.com and mention the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast to receive project discounts and a free CPA partnership ebook. This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, Session 22. Let's go. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and uh, welcome to today's session where we're going to talk about a rather technical topic of cost segregation. We'll talk about what it is and why you should care and how it'll potentially save you tens of thousands of dollars in your tax return, which will put more money in your, in your pocket. And it's very little, it's, it's not very well known. And, uh, we're going to have Heidi Henderson at Engineer Tax Services talk to us today about what it is and how you can use it as well. Before we get started, um, make sure that you are, you also download my free ebook. And if you text, you can also get the, the ebook via, via mobile phone. It's kind of a new feature, but you text the word secret to the number 38470. Okay. And then that'll respond with the, with the, with the link to the, to the ebook. So the word secret to 38470. And you can download the free ebook called The Secret to Raising Money. Uh, to buy your first apartment building. It's a, it's a real cool ebook, uh, very popular and very helpful in helping you raise money for apartment buildings. Also, be sure to put a review on iTunes. Love to hear from you there. Read them all the time. Love to hear from you. And it also helps with the ratings of the show. So really appreciate that as well. All right, so any further ado, let's kind of get into the show. We're going to have Heidi Henderson from Engineer Tax Services come on and and uh, tell us more about cost segregation. And Engineer Tax Services is one of the industry leaders in this space, and they do a lot of uh, detailed engineering uh, analysis, and cost segregation is, is one of them. So we're going to talk about what it is, why you should care, what the benefits are 
for what kind of real estate it works best. For some, it does not as well. And we're also going to look at a, a real-life uh, case study analysis that they've done for a very small 12-unit building just to, to see uh, that it actually benefits buildings of that size. So with, without further delay, let's get right into the show. Hey, Heidi, how's it going today? Hey, very good. How are you? Very good. Well, why don't you start by telling a little bit about yourself and, and the business that, that you're in? Okay, I will. Uh, so my name is Heidi Henderson. I am with Engineered Tax Services, and I am based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. This is a, a, a mid-sized company. We're actually based out of West Palm Beach, Florida. And we are specifically an engineering firm with a very, very interesting niche or specialty in that we do engineering for uh, purposes of federal tax savings. Uh, so we capture very specialized types of tax write-offs uh, tax credits, tax deductions, uh, mainly in the real estate arena. So where people own or hold uh, different types of real estate, we're able to do analysis on those properties uh, to really properly book a lot of items that is going to result in some really nice tax benefits uh, and also put them in a really nice um, uh, accounting situation because the data gives them a lot of uh, great information and backup uh, documentation to uh, to be able to apply each year annually with some of their properties. So we can kind of get into that as we, we talk a little bit more, but uh, we have about 150 employees. We have approximately 60 licensed or professional engineers at this point all over the country who do analysis on all different sides of properties from uh, you know maybe small single-family homes all the way up to very, very large um, skyscrapers and office buildings and in Manhattan and LA and San Francisco and some of those big areas. So we have a very wide expanse of expertise on all different types of real estate. Uh, and uh, we have a lot of really great clients that uh, that love what we do. We've been able to, to capture um, billions of dollars in, in tax write-offs for our clients. That's cool. Can you talk a little bit more, more about what cost segregation is and, and what some of the benefits might be for real estate investors? Yeah, absolutely. So co- what cost segregation is, uh, and, and they're kind of different levels. I think it's important to talk about, and, and we'll get into a little bit, um, the different levels of cost segregation and, and the details that might uh, be associated with it in different types of providers. But cost segregation has been an IRS-approved methodology as far as accounting goes or tax uh, for probably the last uh, about 30 years. In the late 1980s, there were some regulations passed. Uh, and the IRS uh, determined that this was a very favorable position for uh, depreciating a real estate, you know, a, a property. Um, so what it is, is there are a couple of different ways. The IRS, when you purchase a building, allows you to depreciate the value of that building. And they created their useful life or what they expect the property to, um, to exist for. So essentially, at the end of its useful life, it would have no value left, just kind of a thought. Uh, on commercial buildings, the useful life the IRS has outlined is 39 years. Uh, and on multifamily or residential properties, it's 27 and a half years. Uh, so their thought and the methodology that the IRS has is that in any property that you purchase, if you incur no costs, no repairs, no improvements, uh, against that property, then after 27 and a half years, you will have used up its entire useful life and then now will have no value. Right. It, it will have disappeared. <laughs> exactly. 
it, right. it's pretty much ready to fall down yeah. around your ears, which is pretty accurate, really. Mm. Uh, typically, your HVAC system is going to fail if you do nothing for 30 years. Same thing with your roof. Uh, a lot of the components of that property will be fully deteriorated at the end of 30 or 40 years, depending on the type of property. And so a lot of CPAs will take that building and put it on what's called your depreciation schedule when you file a tax return and take the property basis or value and depreciate it evenly. You just say, let's let's say you purchased it for $2 million. Uh, you have to take out your land because land doesn't lose value. So it's just the building. So if we buy it for $2 million, let's say we have $250,000 allocated to land. So we have $1.5 million that's the building. We take the building, and what normally happens is then the CPA takes that and divides it evenly by 27 and a half years, and that's your depreciation. So to get to, to, to actually address your specific question as to what is cost seg, the cost segregation is the process of instead of just taking $1.75 million and taking it all over 27 and a half years, we are going to go in and look at all of the assets that exist on that property and treat them in a little bit more of a realistic time frame. So for example, I certainly have never had any carpet in my building survive for 30 years. I always have to replace much of the flooring within my properties uh, within maybe five or six or seven, if I'm lucky, 10 years, but probably more realistically five or six or seven years. So the IRS said, yeah, back in the 80s, it does make sense to identify many of the assets and, and depreciate them uh, in a more accurate time frame. So carpet, we're going to depreciate that over five years because once it's depreciated, it probably has no value and now you need to replace it. Uh, and a lot of the exterior improvements, your landscaping or your curving or your asphalt parking lots, a lot of those are expected to actually last for 15 years and not 30 years. So what a cost segregation is in a nutshell is going in and rather than saying, I own a building that's valued at 1.75, the cost segregation comes in and says, I own a parking lot and some trees and some shrubs and some sidewalks and stairs and walls, windows, doors, flooring, uh, lighting systems, and it creates a very detailed list of assets. So rather than owning a building, you now own thousands of separate assets. We depreciate them all differently under accepted and approved guidelines by the IRS, and it creates a very nice um, tax situation that's very favor favorable for a property investor or a taxpayer. Well, let's talk about some of the, the, the benefits because some people may, may not really know about the, the whole thing about depreciation. And can you talk a little bit more about how that how depreciation impacts or benefits your tax situation and how accelerating that actually it grows the or yeah it grows the impact of of the depreciation yeah can you talk about that yeah yeah absolutely so so what depreciation is is a, and how we calculate out really you know how, how do we determine what the true benefit is when we're looking at sort of changing depreciation what it is, is we're going to reduce something that the value of something that we own. Um, and when we reduce it, it's kind of like an expense uh, and it's going to reduce your taxable income. So if you say, all right, I, I, um, I made $100,000 this year 
And the IRS is going to say, okay, then you need to pay tax on $100,000. Well, if you're allowed depreciation, and let's say you have depreciation of $20,000 this year, then what happens is you take the $100,000 of your income, you take off $20,000 of depreciation, and that then puts your income at $80,000, and that is what you pay tax on. So it's reducing what you pay tax on. It doesn't directly in, it, it reduce your tax, but it reduces what you're being taxed on. Which reduces so, your tax. That's right. Okay. So, so it's reducing your tax by reducing your income. So it's kind of a step down. Yeah. Uh, and when you take a lot of assets, so on that uh, scenario of the $1.75 million property, and you're depreciating that over 27 and a half years, um, the, the average, um, I should have, you know, probably popped up a calculator because we could talk specific numbers. Um, but I mean, just for kicks, we'll say, uh, the total depreciation would be $63,600 a year. If you do a straight depreciation over 27 and a half years, if you accelerate the depreciation, if we go in and fight flooring and cabinetry and countertops and some certain light fixtures and other assets that we now depreciate much faster, maybe five years or 15 years, we take a significant portion of that 1.75 million, which it's many times on average, I would say about 35% of the total property basis um, is typically accelerated. So just without running calculations, then your depreciation in the first five years, instead of being $63,000 a year, you're probably looking at something more like $250,000 a year. Mm. So it's exponentially larger. The reason that the IRS likes this method or the methodology of of accelerating this is because if you are taking all of that, you take $250,000 of depreciation in the first year or second or third or fourth year, and that's how quickly your carpet's going to wear out. And now you need to replace your carpet. The thought is you're reducing your taxable income. You're reducing your income tax. It puts more money in your pocket. And ideally, you take that additional money or cash flow and you put it back into the property so that you're continually maintaining the property and keeping it at its what they call ordinary efficient operating condition. Okay. All right. So yep. the IRS wants people to maintain their property and not allow them to deteriorate. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So it, with regards to real estate, and, and I'm, you know, we're all investors here. What what kind of real estate is cost segregation most suited for, do you think? That's a really good question. Um, you know, the, the types of properties probably, um, certainly property that has a lot more finishes, uh, high-end fixtures, um, carpet, cabinetry, uh, more kitchens. So obviously multifamily properties uh, perform phenomenally under cost because they have so much um, typically carpet and cabinets and extra kitchens and bathrooms. In the, in the similar square footage, if you were to look at a warehouse, with the same right. square footage as, a, as an apartment building, right. think of all of the additional assets that you have in that same exact space. That's a good point. So that apartment building is going to perform, I mean, you know, astronomically better than, say, a warehouse or a, a distribution facility. Uh, but uh, the, the the properties that we see really perform the best are definitely multifamily type properties, residential. Um, 
doctor's offices, assisted living, medical facilities, um, hotels, uh, office buildings actually do quite well. Um, so really, the, I mean, there's application really for every building. Uh, the ones that probably don't perform the best still actually perform, but not quite as good would be like a distribution facility where um, all they're doing is storing, like like Amazon's facility where all they're doing is, you know, putting things on big shelves and shipping them in and out. It's a big, huge metal building with cement floors. Right. Um, amazingly, we still do cross segregation on those types of buildings, but you really see significantly more benefit on, say, those, those properties that have a lot more uh, detailed assets and fixtures and finishes in them. Right. Now, at one point, do you think it does not make sense? Uh, you, in addition to the, you just said the warehousing, but with regards to maybe size, so you already talked about asset classes. So what about what about size? Is there is there a point where maybe the asset is is, is too small where it doesn't make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple of areas where you you may want to avoid cost segregation or or the benefits just don't uh, apply quite as much. There, there's a couple of them. Um, one of them would be in properties that are fix and flip scenarios. So it's a situation where someone's going to purchase a property very quickly and then, you know, maybe improve it or just turn around and sell it right away. Uh, that's not always a good situation to, to take a bunch of extra depreciation um, because you're going to sell it and, you know, it gets into kind of complex uh, tax codes and strategies. So in that scenario, if you plan to flip it within probably two years, a lot of times we'll say maybe not worth doing the cost seg study. Uh, another situation where it may not be as beneficial, uh, in a situation where a property owner is not profitable, so they they have no income generating off of it, they're, they're operating under a loss, uh, because the depreciation will result in a further loss. So while wanting to reduce uh, the income where there is income so that you can reduce your tax that you have to pay out, that's where the cash benefit comes into play. So it, it's especially useful where it's a profitable situation. Now, even if you have, say, an LLC or a corporation that's operating under losses, if it's an LLC, it can still roll through as a loss to the owner. And then the owner would still utilize the loss and personally get a write-off. That's where we really start to identify how we can apply that and make sure that there is a benefit. But those are the things that we always want to do a very detailed analysis on and make sure that we're, uh, we're finding those opportunities. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good to know. Now, now I, I, can, I can imagine CPA listening to this conversation and, and going, you know what, I can do with that stuff. Why even uh, consider cost segregation and hiring a company like ETS to, to do this? It sounds like it's pretty involved. Uh, otherwise, your normal CPA would do it. But why would you you know, want to use a company like ETS versus just using your CPA? And and how do you work with CPA? Are they are you working together or are you two doing the taxes instead of the CPA? And kind of we'll talk about that relationship and, and how I would use a company like ETS. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. And, you know, it's really a question that we get so often because when we are talking with a, uh, maybe a property owner or someone that's working with their CPA uh, and we have approached them independently, one of the very first questions that we get is, well, now my CPA takes care of all that stuff for me. I have a CPA that's dealing with my taxes, uh, and, and I, I don't need any more tax help. Um, so a lot of people don't understand because it's very technical. 
that it's, it's very specialized. And I love to use the correlation in, in the medical field because for some reason, I think we all understand that a little bit more, that typically we have our general practitioner that really knows a whole bunch about a lot of different things. Uh, and they're not necessarily that specialized. So if you'll go to your general practitioner, uh, if you're sick or you're not feeling well, or maybe you hurt your knee, but if they're concerned that there's a severe injury, they're going to send you to your orthopedic, who's then going to really look at, at fixing your knee, because that's the specialist that that understands those those specialized intricacies, uh, and and they're very set on that niche. So that's very much how how we are. We work together with the CPA and the property owner, um, and we do not do tax returns. Uh, we're only specialized where we do these very specialized services. And we work together as a group to utilize these services. A CPA does not have the knowledge. And I always love to ask property owners, well, when's the last time that your CPA came and walked through your property to see how your carpet looks or what condition your windows and doors are in? And they all chuckle because they're like, well, of course, my CPA has never been to my building. (laughs) And really, even if they had, they are a CPA. They have phenomenal expertise on tax code issues, but they have no idea what the value of your windows are or um, how much the tile in your entryway costs. Uh, And so that's really where that specialty comes into play uh, and where those opportunities can lie. So it's always nice to bring uh, the the, um, specialty knowledge in to make sure that uh, any opportunities are being utilized and applied. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, what is, can you go over a little bit what a cost seg analysis actually involves? Because you keep talking about engineers and, and et cetera. And it, it, I can, can you, can you help us visualize what that means? So you go out there, you say, okay, do this cost seg analysis and, and who goes out and what do they do when they're out there and, and kind of what, what do you produce from the process? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we actually have engineers that it, I'll tell you, uh, another one of the really common questions that that we get when we're talking about this is, is well, I bought a building 10 years ago, and when I bought it, it was already existing, and I didn't get any blueprints or cost breakdowns. I have no information. I have a settlement statement, and that's about it. I mean, you know, most of us don't get blueprints or details of the actual construction when we purchase a building. That's really the, the prime situation for doing this type of engineering analysis because what we do is uh, when we do a cost segregation study, we send a licensed engineer out on site. The IRS actually requires that if a cost segregation study is done, that some sort of a building or real estate professional does a, a physical site visit uh, so that we're not just sort of throwing you know, just sort of throwing thoughts or assumptions out into the air, we know for a fact what is existing in that property. So the engineer goes out and he will measure the space. He will look at all the assets, take, you know, oftentimes hundreds of pictures of everything from the baseboards, crown baseboards, the crown molding, uh, windows and doors, flooring, bathroom fixtures, kitchen type components, um, and they really measure out and look at every single component and create this very, very detailed engineering list of assets. Is this, uh, a, is this an invasive or non-invasive uh, approach? It's, it's non-invasive. So they're not opening the walls. They're not digging into anything. They're just looking exterior. 
certain assumptions would be made in terms of the length of certain electrical or plumbing or ventilation duct work, um, because obviously they're not digging into the walls, uh, but they can make certain assumptions based on a lot of the components that are there. Um, and so they get very detailed and, and we can kind of talk as we get further into this as well about the additional reasons why we would want to have that type of detail for our property. Uh, because once we start to get into that and we know, uh, for example, um, I, this building that I'm sitting in happens to be a building that I own. Uh, and I have four um, uh, compressors or HVAC components. I don't even know what they're called. You know, the big things. They blow there. cold oh. and hot air. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. right. You know, those big things. Yeah. They're always blowing and they cost me a fortune to run. Yep. <laughs> but I have those. Well, when I do a cost segregation study, then these engineers are going to go in and they're going to place a value, a cost on each one of those units. And so moving forward, when I have to replace one of those units, there are additional benefits that I'm able to capture because I have the detail. Because I know, even though I bought this building and I have no cost breakdowns, I have no blueprints, I don't have any idea what the windows or HVAC you know, boxes or work, um, when I have to replace them and I have a cost segregation study, now I do have that information and it creates some additional benefit. Now, let me, let me get this straight. So the engineer will break down all the different basic pieces of a building and does it put it in there like the, does it give you indication of what the useful life is? And in other words, what, what do you tell you? You, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to replace these in six years. Is it kind of, does it give you that information as well or, 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 or maybe not? You know, not necessarily. We do we do actually do reserve studies on, on larger buildings. Larger buildings. Particularly yeah. in like co-ops or multifamily properties. Right. We'll also do reserve studies, which is exactly that. Mm-hmm. It's not only identifying those components, but also looking at the uh, the current age and the current condition of those assets and when we might anticipate having to replace some of those assets. So it's useful in determining a budget, like when you have an HOA, and you have to be incurring certain costs into a reserve fund for for future improvements. Um, that's kind of one of those analysis that we do. Uh, but they do pull the age of those components um, and come up with a value. So if you didn't know prior to the cost study how old that particular unit was when you bought it, after having the cost study, you would probably know that. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. In order to to, to come up with a value. Uh, you would have to know how old is and what the you know what yeah so you, you you would know that so you actually get some some side benefits of the actual tax benefits you can actually see what you're what you have in the building it's almost like having a, an appraisal done right. <laughs> like or inspection very, with very, appraisal yeah yeah, yeah. So, like an extremely de- detailed inspection so for- the engineer creates all these lists of ingredients and it, it, and obviously the final output is something that you can give to the CPA what do you what are you actually giving the CPA when when all is said and done. So what we get to the CPA is uh, a detailed list of assets, and we also give them depreciation schedules. So it makes it really nice because then that's always another question that we'll oftentimes get is, you know, now now what am I going to have to pay my CPA and then have to go change my tax returns or some of my filing information? Uh, the nice thing is there is no requirement for amending returns. If you bought the building two years ago, you don't have to go back and amend that return. You just do it this year. We provide the new revised depreciation schedules and you actually capture an adjustment. So what happens is we say, 
well, I bought this two years ago. Two years ago, I placed it as a straight line, just the entire building over 27 and a half years. But now I want to apply a cost segregation study two years later. So the IRS allows us to say, all right, well, had I done that two years ago, then I should have taken this much the first year, this much the second year, this much the third year, and I only took this much. So you take the difference and you get it all in the current year. So let me get it straight. So, so you can do this retroactively. Yeah. So you've had a building for seven years. You didn't do this and you go and, and you can up the, you take the difference and you can actually take it this current year. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And, and this kind of, you know, I'll try not to get too excited because this is where it actually gets really cool. Uh, I have a guy, he happens to be a friend and I, I'm based in Utah because I love the mountains. And we have this guy here who owns some, some Mexican restaurants and they're very popular. And he has, uh, he's quickly grown it from one restaurant that was really popular to going to now four restaurants, four locations. And he had never done cost segregation. So, um, I was chatting with him one day and he has relatively small buildings. Um, and his newest one had a basis of 400,000, which is, it's a little bit on the small side for doing a cost segregation study. But he wanted to open his next location, and he was trying to find some funding to do that. So his previous location, he had opened three years prior. We were able to do a cost segregation study on that building with a $400,000 basis, and his, his adjustment for the year was $100,000. Mm. So the cool thing is he actually applied it retroactively, and he got a refund as well as reducing his tax liability that he had expected he would have to pay to the IRS. He got all of that back and he took that money and immediately went and put that down on his new location, opened the fifth store. That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So it can really, really work on helping to reduce your, your needs to go find capital. If you already have some wrapped up in real estate that you've held for a while, there are some really great opportunities for, for being able to recapture that uh, and use that in, instead of having to go look for additional capital somewhere. Or it can also be used to take that adjustment, that change or refund, and apply it to improvements. So same thing, um, there's a lot of properties where um, regulations or city or state or county regulations are requiring certain upgrades that have to be made, uh, whether it's for uh, uh, the... Uh, the disabilities or some of the other things that are happening or energy type things. Uh, sometimes property owners don't necessarily have the capital in place to make those improvements. And so sometimes if they're in a profitable situation, they're paying income tax, there is there is a possibility that they could apply a cost tax study, take a large adjustment and get enough money to really help roll that back into their property for those improvements. Mm. And it's kind of two-sided because they're getting the adjustment and then they're making, so let's just say they get a $100,000 adjustment and then they make a $100,000 improvement on their building. Well, that $100,000 is now going back onto the depreciation schedule and it's going to start depreciating again. Right. Yeah, and, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So you really kind of start the cycle where you're really using um, that money as efficiently as possible from an investment standpoint. Yeah. Now, we're talking about cost segregation, and we talked about some of the other benefits of a detailed engineering study. We talked about um, what are some of the other benefits uh, of a detailed engineering study, if one were to do one? Yeah. So we talked really briefly about um, about 
the the HVAC scenario. Right. Uh, so what's you really you kind of know how old things are in your building, which you might not have known before. That's actually yeah. useful. Yeah. Yeah. So to take it a step further, and th- this is kind of cool, the IRS released some some newer regulations uh, about a year and a half, almost two years ago now, and they're called the tangible property regs. Uh, they really are going to have the most application for people that own buildings over a million dollars. And if so, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're called tedious. That's a really nice way of saying they're total pain, (laughs) (laughs) but they're very detailed rules in terms of trying to figure out what costs you pay for in a building and whether it's a repair cost and you're just going to expense it because you're just repaired something or it's routine maintenance, or is it an improvement? If it's an improvement, you have to take it, put it on your depreciation schedule, and you start to depreciate it over whatever, maybe 5, 15 years, 27 years, whatever it is. So you can either expense it or you're going to have to capitalize it and depreciate it. There, there's two ways. Well, it used to be that we would we would make that determination by usually just using a, a number. So a lot of people would say, okay, anything over $500 or anything over $1,000, I'm going to capitalize. Mm-hmm. Anything under $1,000, I'm just going to expense it. I'm just going to write that off as like an office expense, right? But it's a, it's a repair. Mm-hmm. Well, there are new regulations now that actually say, well, not so quick. It isn't that cut and dry. It actually needs to be determined, is it really a repair or is it an improvement? And interestingly enough, these regulations have now determined that certain things that we would have always capitalized can actually be expensed. So for example, a new roof on a building now in many, many cases is actually a repair cost and can be the entire cost be expensed. Um, redoing your parking lot. I know I'm in Utah. We have a lot of salt and sand and snow and snow plows. It's really rough on our parking lots. And so I have to redo my parking lots about every seven or eight years. Uh, so then I know that that's a repair cost or routine maintenance. And I can just expense it. Even if it's $10,000, mm. I can expense it. Well, the IRS says, well, you have to understand what kind of impact that cost has on the particular asset. So uh, I'll give you kind of an example to try to simplify it. On my HVAC system, I have four of those compressors, four outside units, four interior units for heating and air conditioning. Um, they power my whole building and they, you know, they do all my HVAC system. If one of those units fails and let's just say it costs me $10,000 to repair or replace that unit, uh, typically 10,000 is above sort of the thought I would think that, you know, I have to capitalize that. Well, the IRS now says, well, actually no, because that one unit is a very small part of my whole HVAC system. If I have a cost segregation study done, I can look at my HVAC system. My cost segregation study says, oh, the HVAC system is worth $300,000. And I just spent $10,000 to replace that HVAC unit. That's not an improvement. I did not make my HVAC system better. I only kept it functional. I kept it working. So now I get to expense, completely expense, the total cost of replacing that one unit. 
Now, if I have one unit and it powers the whole building and that one unit fails, that is an improvement mm-hmm. because I see. that's impacting the whole system. So we have a we have a correlation. We have this data in the cost sex study that provides us sort of a, 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 a basis of our asset that we can compare improvements to. So what happens is with the detail, it gives us an argument to argue that certain things are, are routine maintenance or repairs. And then the other flip side of it really quickly and not to sort of drag this out too long, but the other flip side of it is that if it is an improvement, so now let's say I've got a smart bike because it's a perfect scenario. I had a guy come in who's trying to sell me solar panels for this building. And I don't know if everybody's been dealing with that because they are everywhere. At least in Utah, there's like 15 solar companies that started like a year ago. Uh. <laughs> and everybody wants me to put solar on this building. So they're coming in, they're trying to sell me on solar. And this guy also says, you should replace all the lights in this building. Look at how much you're spending on your lighting. You can replace every light in here. And we're going to drastically reduce your cost. So I start looking at it. Well, here's the cool thing. I bought this building five years ago. Now, this is a commercial building. So it's I've got 40 years to depreciate it. I've depreciated five years of it. The lighting system is 40-year asset. So now I'm going to have him come in and replace all of my lights with a new system. It's very energy efficient. But he's going to throw away all the lights that are in my building right now. But for me, they're only five years old. I bought them five years ago. So that means on my depreciation schedule, they're going to keep depreciating for another 35 years. But but I don't have them anymore. I'm throwing them away. So I get to take what is called disposition. Disposition is an expense for the value of assets that I remove, that I destroy, or that are no longer in service. So now I look at my cost segregation study. I find my lighting system on my new asset breakdown. And I say, check this out. My lighting system is worth $100,000, but I just ripped it out and threw it away. Hmm. And so now I expense that amount minus the five years that I've depreciated, but I have 35 years left. I take the remaining amount and I get to expense that total amount. Now, the, the cost for my new lights are going to go back on my depreciation schedule. I start to depreciate those, but my old lights, now I take a very big write-off for those. So again, it helps my return on investment and I have another write-off. So that is like a huge, huge piece of where a cost segregation study brings continued ongoing value as long as you own that property. Yeah, I can see that. You do it once and then you you have benefits down 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 the down the road. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So I I'm I almost kind of a hands-on action kind of guy. So I always like talking about examples. Mm-hmm. And and can you walk us through um, you know, a, a real case study looking at some real numbers. And I know we picked one out before the, before the show mm-hmm. and, and I wanted to pick a, a real small building. Uh, that's kind of on the lower end of, of what, where you think the cost seg makes sense to do. And I picked that just because, you know, if we pick a $3 million building, you know, not everybody's got a $3 million building. So I want to pick something small to demonstrate it, it, if, if it works for this kind of small building, it works for something, you know, much larger than that also. Uh, so can you can you uh, pull that up and and talk about that uh, that case study? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to share this window. Um, let me know when you can see this. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. 
So I'm sharing a window and this window is a, uh, this is kind of a sample or a summary sheet that we show when we are looking to do a particular project. So in this one, like you said, this is a 12 unit apartment building and we've done a very general kind of a high level analysis over, over what we expect the benefit is going to be on this particular building. Uh, so this building, the building basis without land um, right here is 485,000. Um, so it was probably purchased for a little bit more than that. That's just what the building is worth. Uh, and then there were some additional improvements made for about 90000 uh, So what we've done is this was purchased a couple of years ago. And we went through and we looked based on that information in the city and the state and the age of the property, uh, the percentage that we would be able to reclassify or accelerate, move into five-year property and 15-year property and calculate what the benefit would be. Uh, for this particular property owner. So based on the information that we calculated, this small property would have additional depreciation in the first year. And this is over and above what you would have had anyway uh, on just the building purchase of $120,931 in the first year. Right. So so just just on this thing here, so in addition to, so you, you actually request the depreciation schedule from the CPA, however they were doing the taxes. And then you estimate the additional depreciation benefits over and above that. Did I get that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we we identify the additional depreciation, uh, and then based on the improvements, it would be also about eighteen thousand seven hundred seventy six on the improvement side of it. And then what we do to come up or calculate what does that mean from a cash standpoint? Okay, that's depreciation or deductions. Um, but how do we really determine what does this mean for me, you know, in my in, in pocket or tangible benefit? So what we do is we take an average tax rate. Now, 48% seems high. This is average between federal and state. So naturally, if we took an overall average corporate tax rate between our IRS and our state tax, we're in that 48% range. Some are higher, some are lower, um, but this kind of helps for proposal purposes. So we take the additional deductions and we multiply it by 48% so that we can kind of understand what does that mean from a cash standpoint. So in the first year, in this case, it would be 2015. If I file my tax return on March 15, what will my benefit be? Uh, if we have a, a, a tax liability high enough, then the cash benefit for me will be 58000 on the purchase side and about an additional 9000 on the improvement side. So $67,000 cash benefit in the first year is what will be realized by the taxpayer in this particular property for this particular project. Uh, our fee, we charge, in this case, 5500 to do the full detailed engineering uh, on this property. Uh, we also apply the same 48% tax rate because the fee is tax deductible. Uh, and then we sort of subtract that out of the overall benefits. We say, okay, after you pay to have a cost segregation study completed and everything's done and you file your tax return, your first year, current year when you file cash benefit for this particular building was just over $64,000. Yeah. So in this particular case, clearly something like this would, would pay off. I have, I have income from the building and I, I actually get a $64,000 benefit after the, the engineering fee. Uh, for that particular year, and and you talked about there's other benefits as well down down the road. So um, that's that's pretty cool, very cool. Yeah. So 
Um, now I know you're you're making you're making this kind of analysis uh, available for free to to the listeners uh, today. And um, uh, can you talk about a little bit about about uh, about that that process and um, what you need from people and and kind of what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, we we will provide a complimentary, um, full detailed benefit analysis. Uh, we, we won't charge for that. Uh, we will look at some basic information. I'll give you kind of a general idea of what it is that we need. Uh, a lot of people tend to think right off the bat that, well, I don't have enough information or they're going to want blueprints or cost breakdowns or, you know, it's going to take a lot of work on my end to have to get them all this stuff for an analysis. When in reality, I need really basic information. Uh, probably five key items. Um, an address is wonderful. We love to use Google Earth to do our initial analysis. We get a great idea of what the footprint looks like in the lot and landscaping and the exterior finishes of that property. So we love Google. I'm amazing what, what they've given us with uh, our, our street view images. Uh, the next one would be what was the property purchased for? Uh, the total purchase amount, uh, the date that that property was purchased. Uh, if there have been any improvements or changes or any really significant costs um, or changes made to that property since it was purchased. And then the last uh, the last item would be uh, the type of building. Now, a lot of times we can figure that out with Google Maps, but uh, we like to just make sure that we understand exactly how the property is being used. So is it an apartment complex? Is it an office building? Is it mixed use? Uh, we have a lot where the bottom floor is retail, and that about that is more of like apartments or condos. So a, a general description or outline of just kind of how that property is being used, um, who's in it, how is it operating. Uh, and with those really five key items, uh, we're able to do very detailed benefit analysis and scope the opportunity, see if there's benefits and if it makes sense for a particular property owner. Yeah, so these five things you're talking about, I was thinking in my head, you're going to use five documents. I'm like, oh. These are not five. They're, they're like five very small pieces of information that I could probably tell you in 30 seconds over the phone. Right. So, yep. so it's a very simple process. I went through it as well. Very simple process. You can see the the result of some of that. And there's a lot more data behind it, which uh, which we're not showing here because I just thought it was overwhelming. But the level of detail is actually uh, pretty impressive. Uh, we just wanted to focus on some of the, the high-level stuff. But I think it's pretty cool. I've known about cost segregation for a little while. But I always in my head always thought it was for very large properties, you know, in the millions. And um, when I spent some, some time talking to, to you guys, it was clear that it was actually um, benefited much smaller properties. And so to me, in my mind, there's a lot more value to to, to our listeners uh, who may be getting into a first deal and maybe smaller properties who did not have not thought about this in that context. So uh, I really appreciate you helping us understand cost segregation and how it works and what's involved. So yeah, really appreciate it. Uh, how can Heidi? How can people find you if they want to get in, in touch with you? Yeah, uh, we have a great website. I think offers some really wonderful resources. Um, that's the www.engineeredtaxservices.com. That's kind of a long name. Uh, again, my name is Heidi Henderson. Uh, you can always reach out directly by phone. My office number is eight zero one six eight nine thirty two thirty two. Uh, we work naturally and, and really can assist with projects all over the country. Um, uh, my email address, I'm sure we can make that available on yeah. your website. You've got a great page there for ETFs and um, some complimentary download information. 
um, and additional details if, if people want to have a recap on this call and the information that we need for an analysis. That's a good idea. We'll make the, some of this case study uh, downloadable. I'll include some of the other details, the, the analysis. You can down, download both and take a look at it. Uh, and then you know, just fill out the form, and uh, Heidi or someone at ETS will schedule that, uh, that free analysis for you. So, hey, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. It was so great to be on today. I appreciate the time. It was a lot of fun. And let me know if we can help with anything else. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Hi, thanks very much again for, for educating us about cost segregation. I hope you guys can see the benefits of at least looking into the stuff. You owe yourself at least looking into the stuff because why leave money on the table? Honestly, I mean, uh, you know, if, if your real estate is, is at least a half million dollars in value and you're actually showing taxable income on your properties, then definitely sign up for the free analysis with, with Heidi. Uh, the show notes for the show are going to be at themichaelblank.com forward slash session 22. Okay, session 22. And, um, and the form, you know, is, is, will be on that page as well. It'll also be at themichaelblank.com forward slash ETS. That's E T as in Tom, S as in Sam, michaelblank.com forward slash ETS. And there'll be links to that, to that from the show notes as well. Fill out the form. She asked you those five simple, you know, uh, pieces of information, the address, when you bought it, how much you bought it for, how many improvements were, and what it's being used for. And she'll set up a call with you. And get a little more information, and then she'll do a free analysis to see how much money you can save in your taxes. It's really cool. I went through the process as well, and I was really impressed with not only the process, but the results of it. So definitely take a look at it and sign up for that free analysis. So anyway, I hope, hope that was helpful for you guys. And, and again, I'm doing stuff here to help to kind of help you stuff, and I think that's useful and pass it on to you. So hopefully that was useful. Uh, thanks again for your time, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblock.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.